This morning I want to direct your attention to two words that are wonderful words that God has included in his word, words that describe uh, his feelings toward us, the words mercy and the word grace. And this morning, I, I want to show you how those words are used in the Bible. I want to define them for you because we think about those two words, and many of us think, well, they mean the same thing. God's mercy, God's grace, that's the same thing. Uh, but I want to tell you how I, how I keep them different in my mind and in my heart. And then I want to tell you three things uh, about them. Uh, so let me just tell you a little bit about how they are used in the Bible. Uh, the, the first time the word mercy is used in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 19, verse 19, where Lot is talking to the angels after they have delivered him from Sodom before God destroyed that city. And he says, Thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And over 300, in fact, 359 times in the Bible, the word mercy is used. And again, I won't read all 359 verses for you, but I want to read some of them. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 13, Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. In Exodus 34, 7, The Lord God, keeping mercy for thousands. In Exodus, Exodus and Leviticus, uh, the Bible in, that, those, in those books talks about the mercy seat of God. It was that, 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 the top of the Ark of the Covenant. It was the place that those two angels uh, overlooked and had their wings spread over. It was the place that God met with the people. It was called his mercy seat. In Numbers 14, verse 18, the Lord is long-suffering and of great uh, mercy. David knew God's mercy. In 2 Chronicles, thou hast showed great mercy unto David. In 2 Samuel, but my mercy shall not depart from him, David, as I took it from Saul. And over 82 times in the book of Psalms, Psalms that David wrote, he talked about the mercy of God. In my Bible readings uh, this morning, as I'm reading through the Bible, I, I read Psalm 136. There are 26 verses in that psalm, and every single one of them have the word mercy in it. Now, it's not just an Old Testament term, it's a New Testament term. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus said this, But go ye and learn what that meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In Romans chapter 11, verse 32, For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. And so, 359 times in the Bible, God uses the word mercy. Now, the word grace. The word grace is used the first time in the Bible in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The word grace is used over 200 times in the Bible. It's interesting. The second time it's used, it's used in the same verse where mercy showed up the first time. In Genesis 19, 19. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. That was Lot talking, again, as he was rescued from Sodom before they destroyed it. But... Uh, again, the word grace is used over and over in the Bible. In Psalm 84, verse 11, the Lord will give grace. 
In Proverbs 3.34, but he giveth grace to the lowly. In John 1.17, but grace came by Jesus Christ. In Romans 3.24, being justified freely by his grace. One of Paul's favorite subjects was God's grace. Of the 200 times <coughs> grace is used in the Bible, the Apostle Paul wrote 132 of them. 132 times of the 200 the word times that grace is used in the Bible, the Apostle Paul penned it. He started 12 of the New Testament books that he wrote with the same greeting. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And the last verse in the Bible, Revelation twenty two twenty one, says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So mercy, 389 times. Grace, 200 times. And again, you read those verses and you think about those words. And if we're not careful, we'll put them in the same category and say, well, God's talking about the same thing. His mercy is the same as his grace. His grace is the same as his mercy. And yet I think the words have two distinct meanings. I looked them up in, in, in Webster, and I, in Webster's Dictionary, and I don't think that Mr. Webster did them justice. I even looked in a Bible uh, dictionary, and I don't think the Bible dictionary that I had did them justice. So, so I, I want to share with you how I think about these two words. I want to share with you the definition that I always think about when I think about the word mercy and when I think about the word grace. When I think about the word mercy, I think about not getting something that I deserve. Not getting something I deserve. When I think about grace, I think about getting something I don't deserve. I don't deserve. So again, mercy is not getting something that I I do deserve. Grace is getting something that I don't deserve. Now, I want to make three points. My message this morning is real simple. Uh, Three points about mercy and grace. The best mercy and the best grace come from God. The best mercy... And the best grace come from God. You see, we can show each other mercy. I can show mercy. I I was thinking about it this week because I I got a little hole in the wall. I won't tell you how I got a hole in the wall. But uh, I I can remember one time when Adam was a a, a teenager. Uh, He got mad at his sister about something. And he kicked a hole about this big in the wall. I mean, just got so mad. Now, he deserved to be punished. His dad should have punished him. But I showed him mercy. I did not punish him. I knew that he probably got his temper, rightly so, from his father. And so I decided to show him mercy. I can show grace. This week, uh, Laura, when I went to my mom, sent me a big dish of peach cobbler. And she says, I want you to make sure you give your brother some. Now, he did, did not deserve one bite of that. Not one little bit did he deserve. But in grace, I gave him something that he did not deserve. I gave him about that much. (laughs) And he was happy to get it, by the way. So we can show mercy to each other. We can show grace to each other. But the best mercy there is and the best grace there is comes from God. You see, he showed us mercy by not sending us to hell. 
He showed us mercy by giving us a chance to hear the gospel. You see, the Bible says that we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And he has, he has a right to send every single one of us to hell. But he showed us mercy in that he didn't do it the moment we were born. He didn't do it the moment we first heard the gospel. In fact, most of us, most of us heard the gospel over and over and over again before we accepted Christ as our Savior. He showed us mercy by letting us hear the gospel over and over. He showed us mercy by not sending us to hell the moment we were born. That's the best mercy that you can have. The mercy that, of God that keeps you out of hell. There's no mercy that can be extended among people that measure up one iota to the mercy that comes from God that keeps us out of hell. He shows us also the best grace. You see, he promises that if we come to him through Christ, if we admit that we're a sinner, if we understand that there's a penalty for that sin, and by the way, every single person is a sinner. Again, there's none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You may think you're a pretty good guy, and you may be a pretty good guy, but don't compare yourself to other people. Compare yourself to Jesus Christ. He's the glory of God. He's the one we come short of. And when we come to him and receive what he purchased for us on Calvary, what we pictured in the Lord's Supper this morning, he shows us grace. He gives us something we don't deserve. He gives us heaven. He gives us a home in that place that he's preparing for us now, the home of God where there are many mansions. He shows us grace, and there is nothing on earth. There's no grace that any man or woman can show you, no grace that any other person can show you that measures up to the grace of God that takes us to heaven. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so again, we can show each other mercy by not giving others what they might deserve. We can show each other grace by giving them something they don't deserve. But the best mercy and the best grace comes from God Almighty. Number two, God has given mercy to all, but you have to receive his grace. He's given mercy to all, but you got to receive his grace. He has given mercy to every single person. Now listen, I, 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 I believe that when little babies die, they go to heaven. But you know, as I was thinking about this, God has the right, if he cho- so chose to, to send little babies to hell. They are born with a sin nature. They are born with sin-tainted blood. And God, if he chose to, could send that little baby to hell. We reach the age of accountability. We, we talk about that age of accountability, that age when we know the difference between right and wrong. And when we decide for the first time in our right, knowing the difference between right and wrong, that we're going to sin, that we're going to disobey God. And, and we know what we're doing. Again, that's what we talk about when we talk about the age of accountability. I think God has the right at that moment to send that person who has disobeyed him knowingly, knowing that it's a sin, God has the right to send them to hell. But he shows us his mercy we hear the gospel. We hear the gospel for the first time. We hear that we're a sinner. We hear there's a penalty for that sin, that Jesus paid that penalty on Calvary's cross. And if we come to him and ask him, he will save us. We hear the gospel, and we say, no, not for me. God has the right at that moment 
to send that person to hell. But he shows us mercy. As I mentioned before, he he, he brings us underneath the gospel time after time after time. Every one of those times we hear the Holy Spirit speaks to us. The Holy Spirit pleads with us. The Holy Spirit begs us to come to Jesus Christ. And we refuse. And every time when we refuse it, God shows us mercy by not killing us at that moment and taking us to hell. He shows us mercy by giving us another chance to hear about Jesus to give us another chance to hear, uh, to give us another chance to get saved. So we hear the gospel, and, and, and it takes root in our heart. We understand that we are a sinner, and, and it becomes very clear in our mind that we're, we're, we're not an exception to that verse, that we are a sinner. It becomes very clear to us as we hear the gospel that Jesus Christ died for no sin that he committed, but he died for our sin. And we come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And we realize that we're a sinner. And and that he paid the price for our sin. Our sin. I know John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But he so loved me. And he so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. And Jesus died for you as an individual. And then when that truth takes root in our heart. And we realize what Jesus has done for us. And our only hope for heaven is to come to him and ask him to save us. We get down on our knees. We bow our heads. And we ask him to save us. God shows us grace. He shows us grace. You see, when we ask Jesus to be our savior, he says, I'm going to give you something that you don't deserve. I'm going to give you my forgiveness. I'm going to give you a home in heaven. We sang that song, he the pearly gates will open, and he will. We'll get to go to that place where there is no more darkness. We'll get to go to that place where there is no more sickness. We'll get to go to that place where there is no more pain. We'll get to go to that place where there's no more separation. We'll get to go to that place where we don't have to worry about calories and cholesterol and all that other gunk. We'll get to, uh, we're going to set it down at God's table, God's banqueting table. We're going to have a feast with the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, we're going to, and I could spend the rest of the month of February talking about heaven. And I still wouldn't do it justice. God shows us grace when we ask Jesus to be our Savior. But you got to receive it. You got to receive it. You see, God does not force his salvation on anyone. The Bible says, but as many as received him, Jesus Christ, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. If you're here today, you have the mercy of God. He's let you live to this moment to hear the gospel, to hear your need for a Savior. You can have his grace this morning if you don't have it by receiving Jesus. And then number three, number three, God's mercy is temporary. His grace lasts forever. His mercy is temporary. His grace lasts forever. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? His mercy is temporary. Here's what I mean by that. You reach the age of accountability. You understand the difference between right and wrong. You understand that you're a sinner. God lets you hear the gospel. 
God lets you hear that you are a sinner. There's a penalty for that sin that Jesus paid for it and he died for it. And if you come to him, he'll save you. You say no. You hear it again, you say no. You hear it again, you say no. You hear it again, you say no. One day God says, I'm done. I'm not going to call you anymore. You've rejected me and rejected me and rejected me time after time after time after time after time. I'm done. Now the Bible says God is long-suffering. The Bible says that God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's not willing that anybody go to hell. God wants everybody to go to heaven. But God says, my mercy is temporary. If you reject me over and over and over and over, you say, preacher, how many times do you have to? I don't know. I don't know. But I know the Bible teaches that God has a limit. And if we keep saying no to the draw of the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit tries to bring us to the Savior, if we keep saying no, 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 God will one day say, okay, I'm done. I won't bother you anymore. I, I won't bother you anymore about your need for Jesus. I won't bother you anymore about heaven, about hell, about eternity. I believe that's what the Bible talks about as the unpardonable sin. The sin that God cannot pardon. Saying no, 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 no to the Holy Spirit. Saying no to Jesus. So his mercy is temporary. It has a limit but his grace is forever. (laughs) His grace is forever. Because you hear the gospel, and you ask Jesus to save you, and by his grace, he says, okay, I'm going to give you something that you don't deserve. I'm going to give you eternal life. You don't have to wait to heaven to start eternal life. Eternal life starts the moment you ask Jesus to be your Savior. And by the way, he says, I just didn't come to give you life. I came to give you life more abundantly. So we ask Jesus, we get eternal life, we get life abundantly, we get heaven, we get that home in God's, in God's the place that God's live. We get, we get that, that, that home in the place where Jesus is. We get, we get a home in that place, and it will last forever and ever and ever and ever. The grace of God will never quit. The grace of God will never end. It will last for all eternity. We sing that song, Amazing Grace, the last verse. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days uh, to sing God's praise than when we first begun. After 10,000 years in heaven, we're just going to be getting started. Just going to be getting started because it's going to go on forever and ever and ever and ever. His grace lasts forever. So let me ask you this morning as I close. Do you know his everlasting grace? Or or this morning, are you testing his temporary mercy? You see, that you're in one of those two categories. You already know the everlasting grace that God bestows because you've asked Jesus to be your Savior. Or you're here this morning having never done that, And you're testing his temporary grace. How long are you going to go? I don't know about you, but 
since this decision makes the difference between heaven and hell, since this decision makes the difference between where I'm going to spend eternity, I'm not going to test God too long. I mean, I did before I got saved. I've told you my testimony before. I can remember standing in the pew knowing that I should walk down the aisle and get saved, knowing I should go talk to my pastor and ask Jesus to be my Savior. I'd, I'd dig my fingernails into the pew in front of me. I was scared. I didn't want to go and stand in front of people and do that. I probably would have never gotten saved unless my pastor one night on the way out of church and said, Hey, Darrell, you need to get saved. I said, I know, but I'm scared to walk down the aisle. He said, Come with me. We'll fix it right now. He took me into the study. I got down on my knees. I asked Jesus to be my Savior. I wouldn't, if you're here this morning and, and you're testing God's temporary mercy, I wouldn't do it for too long. And don't think, well, I'm, I'm a young person. I, I've got a lot of years to live. God will give me an unlimited amount of mercy. No, he won't. No, he won't. He's long-suffering, but he'll reach a limit. Don't, 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 don't push him to that limit. Please don't push him to that limit. Please accept Jesus Christ today. The Bible says now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. If the Holy Spirit is talking to you this morning about your soul, about where you're going to spend eternity, about your need for Jesus Christ, you need to come. You need to come. We'll take the Bible and we'll show you from this book how to ask Jesus to be your Savior. Don't, don't test his mercy. Doesn't last forever, but it's grace to us. You come and get saved this morning, you'll be a child of God for all eternity. For all eternity. So what will you do? Mercy. Not getting something we deserve. Grace. Getting something we don't deserve. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Every single one of us here have enjoyed your mercy. Most of us here this morning have enjoyed your grace. I pray for those that might that are here, that, that don't know the grace, your grace, because they've never come to Jesus Christ. They've never asked him to be their Savior. Doesn't matter how old they are. Doesn't matter how many times they've been here. This may be their first time. This may be the hundredth time they've been here. Maybe this is the first time they've heard the gospel. Maybe it's the hundredth time they've heard the gospel. It doesn't make any difference. Holy Spirit, you're calling them. You're asking them to admit their sin, asking them to understand there's a penalty on that sin, asking them to understand that when Jesus died on Calvary, he was paying for their sin. And if they come this morning and ask him, he would save them. Save them from the penalty of that sin. Give them something they don't deserve. Give them grace. Give them heaven. And so, Father, I pray for every person here that doesn't know Christ, that right now they would consider the price that was paid for their salvation, and they would come to Jesus Christ. I pray for the many Christians that are here. Father, draw us closer to you. Once again, we've heard that what, what, you, what you've done for us. Once again, we've heard about your mercy and your grace. Father, just help it touch our hearts. Draw us closer to you. Make us better servants. Make us better Christians. Just bless this time of invitation. I ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.